welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. To look at somebody else and say, the most annoying person in my life, God loves deeply, powerfully, and as much as he loves me, is a terrifying thought because then it requires something of me. I'm here today with our good friend Mark, whose home we're recording in today, and Rachel, who provides the equipment. So I think that makes me the glamorous assistant in proceedings this morning. Good morning to both of you. Morning. Morning. Uh, Today we are in episode two of this podcast about God's glorious grace. We're considering the first phrase of Ephesians chapter one, verse three, which is praise be. uh, And we're going to read those verses to begin with so that we can center it in what Paul is writing. Okay, so reading from the New International Version, uh, we're going to read verses one to four. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. For he chose us in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Fantastic. And so uh, one of the really important things that we need to know about, if we're going to understand what Paul is writing about here, is who is Paul? And so Rachel, do you count yourself as an expert on Paul? Not at all. (laughs) Could you tell us a little something about him? I can give you the broad stroke summary of Paul. So Paul was a guy... And uh, he loved the law. And so he uh, grew up and he was discipled in uh, the actual you know, traditional law thing under Gamaliel. Is that how we say his name? If, yeah, I think so. We're going to say that's how you say his name? Gamaliel. 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 Ooh, I like that last one. Well, at home, practice all of those. Decide what you like and then say it confidently whenever you read scripture. I feel like that's that, Lord of the Rings that is now. The We're getting. Right? It's not confident. 100%. Yes. So he was a really great guy in terms of the law. So he like came from honest, good pedigree of law things. And uh, when the Christians began to emerge, he was absolutely against them, hated them with a passion. He loved the law. The Christians were not conforming to this, and it was just not going well. So he persecuted, like hunted them down, exposed them ripped them out of their homes, asked for more responsibility so that he could be even more vicious about it. He was passionate about his religious view and was going to crush this thing to preserve what he loved. And then God took him on a journey and knocked him off his... Now I'm saying he knocked him off of his horse, but now knocked him off of his horse. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, knocked him off of his horse. And because I got kind of, you know, I was worried that it was a donkey or something. I don't want to be inaccurate. Uh, so knocked him off his horse, had a massive encounter with him. Jesus himself was like, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? Uh, Paul went on this journey. Uh, he got healed. Uh, and then he sort of disappeared for a little bit. 
and uh, went away and spent years sort of just spending time with God. And we don't know much about that time. But we know at some point, Barnabas, a real encourager, was like, you know who we need? Paul. And went and found him and brought him back. And and I guess sort of walked alongside of him as he learned how to um, walk with the people of God that he had been persecuting. And uh, and he had to keep proving himself over and over and over again that he's not a bad guy. He's, he came, he, you know, God gave him revelations and he had to challenge the other disciples. And, and he had to go on a personal transformation, but also became a key part of uh, our history and wrote a lot of the letters that uh, we now uh, refer to as scripture and use in the New Testament. Fantastic. And he writes Ephesians. That's where it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. <laughs> and so that's why we're learning about him. And so clearly what we've just read and what we've just heard about Paul, grace, which is what we're saying, Ephesians 1 is Paul unpacking for us, Grace is a reason to praise God in Paul's mind. Why is that from what we're reading here, Mark? Yeah, well, we've touched on his history. And uh, I think you get a true understanding of how Paul could see himself when he says, uh, I was the worst of all sinners. I was the least of all the apostles. And then has Jesus' indictment spoken to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And I think this wonder of thanksgiving comes up in his heart as he realises and reflects on the grace of God, that God would actually choose him, that the love of God would reach right across this huge divide to the one who was actually destroying the very uh, expression of the grace of God in, in the church. And, and I think for him, he lived with the wonder of that and the joy of that, having encountered Jesus in such a profound way um, that led him on to uh, this, this call. Because his life itself was actually, though remarkable, was painful. And yet, in spite of all of that pain and that, that difficulty, he lives with his love for Jesus. Wow. So he both knew where he had come from and knew where he was going and his would you say felt fortunate about that? I was going to say felt, felt lucky about it. Uh, I don't think he felt lucky, but was totally amazed at how fortunate he was that God had chosen him, despite where he'd come from, to get to go where he was going. And that just caused an overflow. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. But I think um, we, we mustn't just see that he felt blessed or fortunate uh, to suddenly be in this key ministry mode. Uh, role I don't think it's anything about the ministry mm-hmm. it's about actually he had a relationship with the living God and and I think that's what really sparks him when you look through the rest of his writings is actually no I, I'm alive in Christ I and, and and I don't know what that meant outside of Christ but now I do and I I think that's the wonder I think that's his joy I think his his ministry flows out of devotion yeah. not uh, as the cause and the means of of his joy in fact as I say I think it caused more pain when you read through some of his letters uh, particularly to the Corinthians yes and, and actually um, he was more famous more powerful more influential before he met Jesus in many in mm. worldly terms you know he had it made yes. uh, he lost everything in the world's eyes to choose to follow Jesus when Jesus knocked him off his horse and so, so it's in spite of having lost everything for Jesus that he is this, yes. so marked by thankfulness and praise and adoration yes. of God. Can I ask a question? Always. What's the difference between thanksgiving and praise? 
Do you have an answer to your question? I have thoughts, but I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> by your thoughts. Because I think often in Christian circles, we just say Thanksgiving and praise. And I think praise is a hard thing to define. And I, I think there's actually something significant about Thanksgiving yes. and praise. And I, I'd be intrigued what, what you think. Okay, so I'll give you my pen and word. Do it, do it. So Thanksgiving is a response to something that we have received. Praise looks beyond... The, the gift and sees the person and so praise is probably more about the quality of someone and so praise is focused on the, the, the person rather than, than on the gift. But I don't think the Holy Spirit gets really upset when we sing thanksgiving and praise together but I, I would make that distinction. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. I think thanksgiving would be about what it's done for me and praise would be about them. Yes. And I think that's a really useful definition when we're looking at things like Paul's experience because some of what he's saying is thank you God for what you've done for me I'm so in awe of what you're doing for me and some of it is just I see you and I am in awe of you and and describing who God is and responding to who he is and I think sometimes on our on our journeys of grace and when we're looking at our lives sometimes we we default into what has God done for me and it can become if thanksgiving without praise can often become quite self-focused this is what you've done for me God what haven't you done for me why haven't you done this for me and it can lead us down a path but the praise pulls us out of any selfishness that thanksgiving has I think that's often why it's partnered together in scripture um, and praise often without thanksgiving means we're not reflecting on who God is in our individual lives and I find it fascinating that in Paul he keeps giving us those both things that thanksgiving and the praise uh, and I find in my life uh, that's a really useful tool to keep coming back to is is how do I reflect on my life's journey and reflect on who God is and be drawn into him with thanksgiving and praise so that's really helpful because when we look at the little verse that we are just looking at verse three it's praise be to the father God of our Lord Jesus Christ immediately Paul's lifting our eyes to a person mm. before he gets into this glorious list of things that mm. God has done for us and gives to us and mm. it's this whole thing that we can get caught by sometimes that God is some glorious father Christmas and all he does is dispense mm -hmm. he is a dispenser but actually his dispensing is always for us to know him mm. that is the heart of the father uh, and, and you know the knowing of him is greater so Paul has this extraordinary phrase in Philippians doesn't he where he says I, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord and, and, and so I think that's, that's where this praise be comes from he's drawing us towards a person not to this amazing list and yet we should be eternally thankful mm. for the grace of God and the multifaceted nature of it that comes to us. It is both, mm. but one draws us to, to the person because I, I believe Paul's always wanting us to, to know who the Father is, always wanting us to know who Jesus is, what is their nature. And of course, grace reveals the nature of God, which we said, I think, in the first uh, session. Mm. So let's take it another notch with another question. If you are unaware or don't know of what God has done for you, so there's no thanksgiving, is praise possible Ooh, on its own? Good question. And I've got another follow-up question. This is teeing yeah. up. So, <laughs> Well, 
I mean, our praise would be limited. You, you, I can't, I mean, it's like in marriage, isn't it? Uh, if you are married, um, then one of the greatest things we can be is the student of our spouse, the observer. And, and actually, love grows increasingly over time as we value that person. So to know the person equals value equals, equals praise. And of course, Jesus said to the woman at the well, worship me in spirit and in truth and so truth gives us a foundation a substance for our worship for our praise and so i would say yes that if i am more ignorant uh, unless i have holy spirit revelation my praise will be limited yeah here's my second follow-up question which is knowing that god is like something doesn't necessarily mean that praise is going to be your response to it so for example jonah he sees that God is gracious and he gets really cross about it. Yeah. And so there's no thankfulness for Jonah. He doesn't see what God has done for him, even though he has done stuff for him in terms of rescuing him from a whale's belly. He sees the grace of God and instead of praise, he is angry with God. And so perhaps actually, I'm just positing mm -hmm. that we need to know what God has done for us in order to reveal who he is. We can't get hung up on what he's done for us, but that is the pathway to knowing who he is. Otherwise, there's this whole other path that you can go down where actually you're not happy about the fact that you've discovered that God is gracious. Um, what do you think to that? So for me, two pieces. One, I think that what Mark was talking about, about knowing God and experiencing knowing God, I think is really significant. I think that's where we fall into religion versus relationship sometimes because... Um, in my work, I work with a lot of families and young people and children, and they're very blunt about the fact that why they're giving lip service to a God if they don't have an experience of that. And there's a, a real sense of disconnection. I think people get resentful when they're forced to praise someone for something that they haven't experienced yes. yet. And so I think that's part of our journey is to, to look what's in Scripture and to see who God is and say, I, I want to know you. You know, I... I, I you guys know what it's like to give birth. I know what it's like to give birth because I, <laughs> I've done it. And you, you know, but I know. And I think there's a, a knowing that we are called to, that God is giving us the opportunity to say, know me, you know, and we say to God, search me and know me, this sort of experience that I think is, is something to pursue. Mm -hmm. And I think I think what I love about Jonah is it's so real. Like, <laughs> we're supposed to just rejoice in the grace of God. <clears throat> but I think it's the selfishness in all of us that wants to rejoice in the grace of God for us uh, <laughs> and the love of God for us. But to look at somebody else and say, the most annoying person in my life, God loves deeply, powerfully, and as much as he loves me, is a terrifying thought because then it requires something of me as opposed to being something that I get to benefit from. It's, yeah. it's a, I think it's a maturity level. You know, when you're a toddler, you want all the candy for yourself. And then when you get older, you find the joy of having others have that. And I think for us to go, I'm so glad I am loved and graceful, but then to look at people and think God is that much graceful for them is incredibly powerful. So actually in in our lives, the cross, the gateway to the grace of God, and therefore the things behind the cross can be an offence to our lives, to offence to our individualism. Mm 
Mm. It can be an offence to my selfishness. And therefore, we can push away. Even with the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we can be offended by the very things that are meant to be a blessing and draw us towards God. We can actually shun, which is, of course, what happened in the Galatians. They'd moved away from the freedom of the grace of God into adopting, again, legalistic practices both in circumcision but in the way they were living. And so, so yeah, you're, so in terms of your question, yeah, we, we, we can know things, but it can offend us. Yes. So there's a difference between head knowledge and experience. So I'm in awe of women who've given birth, but Rachel is in awe of women who have given birth because there's a difference in knowing about something and knowing it. Wonderful. And I think that's a really helpful way for seeing this picture, isn't it, of thanksgiving for... What God has done for us helps us to know him and that means that we praise him and there's almost a progression there. And so it's not that concentrating on thankfulness is, is incorrect, it's that it leads somewhere else and we've got to go through that process because the healthy place is praising God for who he is, even apart from our circumstance, which is what you were saying earlier, Rachel. That is really helpful and it brings us nicely, I think, to our halftime oranges part Two. First, a correction. Evidently, I was incorrect about things, and we just want to always be honest with you. One, how long was Paul in Ephesus? Three years. Three years he was, yes, thank you, Mark. And uh, also, we have a bit of an archaeological thing right here. Acts 19 does say silver shrines. Thank you, uh, not coins. You're right, not coins, yes, shrines. They uh, did have coins archaeologically. They did also have shrines where you put little idols in there. And it didn't represent the breadth of idolization of there. And just for my husband and all else who needs to hear, I was wrong. <laughs> right. So, uh, thank you, thank you. Now we're moving on to Would You Rather, our halftime oranges, Would You Rather. Uh, right, Mark, Adam, oh, no. Would You Rather see live, like I can transport you there, the parting of the Red Sea or the feeding of the 5,000, and why? Gosh. <laughs> Play along at home, obviously. I, I think the feeding of the 5,000. Why? I think firstly because it would be really up and close and so to see the multiplication mm. of food and then to have tasted it mm. as well interesting bread and fish so it would become a very personal tactile mm. experience mm. Uh, completely unexpected mm. um, I think yeah, so, so for me, I think it would be the feeding of 5,000. Interesting, interesting. Um, I think I'm going feeding of the 5,000 too, just because I don't like the thought of being in the mortal danger of <laughs> being pursued by the Egyptian army. <laughs> fine, fine. I'm 100% Red Sea, by the way. I just yeah. think that would be fantastic. Right, okay. Uh, right, would you rather brrr, see the birth or the crucifixion of Jesus? Wow. I mean, these are much harder than the quiz questions. I know. Week. Well, that's what I'm saying. Mm. There's no winners or losers here. So I'm losing <laughs> interest already. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the buzzer. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I I'm not sure I could I could choose. I'm sorry. Can I sit on Mark, the fence? Mark Mark Mark's gonna sit on the fence. Adam, come on, have an opinion. You can do it. Yeah, I'm going birth. Ooh, interesting. God become flesh in the middle of the night to a teenage virgin in a backwater town. Man, that is, I think, just... Mm. 
See, I'm on birth too, 100%. I think also, I'm not sure I could handle the crucifixion. Knowing what I know about the crucifixion, I am not sure it would not just completely break me. Yes. I'm not sure I could bear the weight of knowing at that moment. So, I, yes. I agree. Yes, I could barely handle the Passion of the Christ movie, much less it actually being a thing. Do get in touch with us. Let us know what you would choose, uh, what you would see, birth or crucifixion. Or if I was wrong about anything again, you know, this could be the thing. Spot the inconsistency. Parting of the Red Sea or feeding of the 5,000. Be fascinated to know. Maybe we'll put up a, a poll on social media somewhere. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move into our second discussion now around discipleship. So it's great to know that Paul is thankful and beyond thankful, praising God for what he's discovered about God's grace. But what does that mean for us as we seek to work out grace in our everyday lives? So it obviously causes this incredible thankfulness uh, and more than thankfulness in Paul, as we were talking about. I guess the obvious question is, how can we live with that same thankfulness and more than thankfulness in our lives. Rachel. I think honestly, I spend a lot of time asking God how he sees my life because I think I don't trust my eyes on my life anymore. Uh, so often, I, I often used to spend a lot of time going, God, this is how I'm feeling and this is what I'm doing. This is, and, and it was a very me-centered thing. And so now I, I tend to go, I'm, this is what I'm feeling, God. What am I not seeing? And when I see through the eyes of God, then I see him and I see me and I see those around me. And I think for me, it's a, a perspective shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people who have encouraged me to like list all the things you're thankful for, list what's going on in your life. And I find the more my eyes look at me, the less I see clearly. And so for me, it's, it's asking him how he's seeing and coming from that perspective. Yeah, that's helpful. Mark, any thoughts? Yeah, I think um, where I am at the moment and where I feel uh, Father's been leading me literally in the last couple of weeks um, has really been this whole thing of devotion. And um, as I have, for another reason, been studying Paul's letters quite intently, whereas last week we talked about how grace bursts through I do feel this whole thing of Paul being a lover of God just burst through. And, and so we get other phrases like, for me to live is Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, and, uh, and I feel um, that what we touched on earlier about the knowledge of grace, that experiential knowledge of grace, is is this, this, this creator in us of devotion. So more the praise be that, that worthy is God, worthy is the Lamb. And uh, so for me, what, this, what grace does is inspire me to know the grace giver. Mm. And, and the expression of that obviously is, yeah, we, we obey, we walk in obedience out of love, out of faith in God. But it's drawing me into this desire to know him more. If he is this gracious God, then, then worship starts to get drawn from me. But actually it's created this hunger to, to be devoted to him. Yes, so... When we start talking about praise and thanksgiving, we can easily start to picture sort of classic worship settings in our, mm. in our mind's eye. But really what you're saying or what I'm hearing, Mark, is there's something that's almost it's, it's submission mm. that makes you go, wow, God's like that. And I'm like this. And so I will submit. And 
uh, enter into his will for my life. I'll follow his leadings. I'll believe him to be right more than myself. And so it isn't just sit on a park bench and write down a hundred things that you're thankful for on a morning, but it's, man, this is going to affect my whole life if God is as good as what I've seen him to be in my experience of Jesus. That, that's powerful. So actually my submission is caught by the wonder of his love. I am one by love, not by yes. his dictate. Though he would have full right, because he is God of the universe, to be a dictate, but he doesn't. He wins us by love. Yeah. And that's where grace comes in so powerfully, because it breaks the uh, cultural mode that we understand of, of rules, of law, of authority. And the authority of Christ is through love. Yes. And so knowing God's heart for us, is therefore, that's why what Rachel was bringing the two together is so powerful because it is a heart yes. of love. Yes. So I know personally, I think I probably got it from you, Rachel, one of your uh, times I've heard you teach in terms of I was walking home from work maybe a few months ago. It would have been before lockdown. And I was just saying to God, you know, God, what do you, what do you think about me? Huh. Like, what would you want to say to me today? And I just heard the very simple phrase, Adam, I trust you. Uh, I was in tears walking home because I'm like, but God, why would you trust me? Like, I know me. Why would you trust me? But that was what he said to me. And that moment was exactly what I needed to hear. But that's a heart of love, yes. not of control. No. Because if he wanted control, <laughs> much better people to trust than me. But he's so full of love for me and desiring of relationship Wonderful. with me that I'm like, wow. And, and that causes praise and submission and obedience and you know, to live his Christ and to die his gain type um, reaction in me. Because, wow, his love for me means he trusts me yes. and wants to be with me and to work with me. I think it's that really interesting combination of, of, of discipline and relationship. And I think, not discipline like a parent disciplining a child, but I think often we think I need to muscle my way into Thanksgiving or I need to make sure I do it. It's something that I'm supposed to do. And so, so you feel like I should be thankful and so therefore I'm going to be thankful and therefore I'm going to say the thankful words. Um, but sometimes, you know, when I, when I lost the baby that I wasn't feeling very thankful right now. And it took sure. the discipline of saying, no, I, I choose to say, God, this is who you are. And I choose to look at this. And through the discipline of thanking him, my heart changed and, and it drew me out and it brought me into who he was. And so, and so I just, I just want to say that it's, you don't have to be feeling it to do it, but nor do you just have to do it because it's mm -hmm. what God commands. It's, it's not a religious tick box. The discipline can draw us into that. The discipline of, of walking down the road and saying, okay, God, what do you think of me of choosing to enter in? I love this, you know, the, the enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, enter his courts with praise. There is a, a choosing to walk into mm -hmm. his gates through the gates of thanksgiving and praise. But yeah. that doesn't mean sit and make a list, but nor does that mean only do it when you're feeling yeah. it or try to magic up the feelings in order to do it. It's okay to be at a place of depression, to be at a place of pain and to choose to speak because it draws us into a new perspective. And I think what I found really helpful on that was reading The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Yeah. I get the mm, brothers yeah. mixed up. And you know, here's this monk who works in a kitchen his whole life peeling potatoes, but people come to him because he's so trained himself to 
bounced the gaze of his heart back onto God mm. again and again, despite of his circumstances, despite what's going on, not because of what God's done for him in that moment, but because of what he's done in Christ Jesus, which is yes. again what Ephesians is talking yeah. about. That, you know, it it created this discipline, but a healthy discipline, a, almost a, a habit uh, of a reflex of turning to God, gazing at him again, no matter the circumstances. I know that, that so enabled me and empowered me and, and challenged me when I was reading it. It's so simple just to, no matter what I'm doing, be able to turn towards God in my heart and, and bask at who he is again, rather than my circumstance. Mm. And so I think in life, another wonder of God's grace is that we leak. And so we, circumstances, <laughs> I leak. So circumstances come it's an and, and, and it's like a, a, a bump. It's like a bruise. I've got bruised and it can be loss. You know, mm. we both suffered significant loss in our lives. Um, and what I find of the wonder of God's grace is that in that darkness, it, like a prison cell, he comes and brings light so that actually we can praise again, that we can. And, and for me, uh, in a season of all sorts of losses, um, he did that to me and told to me again about his goodness and revealed his goodness. I, I, I barely could get up off the floor, let alone uh, turn my heart to the Lord, but actually just doing the discipline of coming to him at the beginning of every day and sitting in his presence there came that moment when the revelation of his goodness and my heart. So we have both, don't we? We have a tool whereby thanksgiving and praise we can come into his presence, mm. but we also have that grace that when it is so dark mm. and we can't see and our energy is sapped, he comes. Mm. Like to Elijah, when he lay down to die, yeah. who comes? God comes yeah. and restores and gives him food and and, and, I, and so this isn't about a mental exercise. Mm. It is never about a mental exercise that I've got to remember all these 20 odd things yes. of the grace of God. No, actually, because of the nature of the relationship, it's a living relationship. He comes in spirit and reminds and restores even when it's so black. Yes, it's a two-way relationship. He he reaches for us, and yes. we reach for him, yeah. and that's that's the beauty of of this. Is that sometimes we feel like it's mm. all one way. Mm. Thanksgiving and praise is all one way, and through the, so many stories of God coming and God, you know, speaking to Adam and God coming to Mark, there is a, a reaching for us in His grace one. that isn't dependent on our Thanksgiving and praise. That I think yeah. is beautiful, and that truly is good news, isn't it? That. It, because of because Jesus has changed everything, like God has come to us. That's the story. You know, we're, we're coming up to Christmas. It's Emmanuel. God is with us. He came. Rachel and I are going in the time machine right Woo-hoo! after recording this to go and see him coming to us out of pure grace. And one that he died and rose again, so that utter life change, like a whole brand new birth in us, is possible too. So that we can be with him, can know him, and he comes and and helps us through. Um, in those dark moments where we can't even lift ourselves. Friends, that is good news. And that elicits praise and thanksgiving and everything else as well. What a fantastic oh, note to end on. Um, as always, we love to finish by praying. We love to yield ourselves to God, just put ourselves in his presence again. So Mark, why don't you pray for us <laughs> yeah. following on from that discussion wow. just for a moment or two. Yeah. yeah. 
Father, we, we are caught by the wonder of who you are. Thank you that that wonder isn't just a, a description on paper of what you have done. It is a living reality. You are the living God who fills us with wonder. And we do ask that our eyes of our heart, our understanding would be opened by your Holy Spirit, that not only would we see the wonder of what you have done, but we would start to gaze upon the wonder of who you are. Father, we want to say that we are so grateful. We are so thankful for Jesus, for your plan to bring us into relationship with you. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that you have given us to live inside of us. That itself is a wonder. But I thank you that our journey is also to get to know you, to experience you. And I just pray over us that as we go through this week, as we contemplate, praise be, that our heart would be drawn towards you and our understanding, our knowing of you would increase uh, day by day as we lift our face and lift our eyes to thank you for the wonder of who you are and what you've done. Amen. 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 At the end of each episode, we like to leave a question or point to some resources that might help us take this further. And we were having a conversation before about the books that have really helped us just with the basics of grace. And we were naming two, weren't we? Mm. We were saying, you've got Philip Yancey, What's So Amazing About Grace, which is an incredibly easy read and incredibly provocative in terms of what it means to live with grace in our lives. And you've got Terry Virgo's God's Lavish Grace, which is perhaps slightly more theological, but also very applicable, both of which for, for each of us have been um, incredibly helpful uh, in our growing understanding of grace. Next week, we're together again. We're continuing in Ephesians. We're still in verse three. We're <laughs> going to be looking at what Paul means when he says every spiritual blessing. And uh, we're going to have some good contentious discussion, I'm sure, <laughs> around good. that. Uh, and what that means in our lives today. So please do tune in next week. Hit subscribe. You might like to leave us a review, preferably five stars. Tell your friends to tune in. Send it to someone that you think might enjoy listening to us talk for these 30 minutes. And we'll look forward to you joining us next week on God's Glorious Grace. Goodbye. Yeah, bye. Bye.